Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, a huge weekend for the Lakers as they go 2-0 and get some help from around the league. And now, if you look at the standings, this is pretty insane, but if you look at the standings, the Lakers are somehow tied in the loss column with the six-seeded Golden State Warriors and the fifth-seeded Los Angeles Clippers. What? Let's start with the things that the Lakers could control uh, because at the end of the day, that's really kind of all that matters for the foreseeable future. Not saying that the Lakers control their destiny for, for whichever seed that they want, but certainly you have to take care of business on your end and then... You know, if you get help, then it makes it that much more impactful whenever you do get said help. But for the Lakers this weekend, they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota 123 to 111. Uh, and uh, Anthony Davis was obscene. Uh, he has three straight games now with at least 38 points. And that one in particular, he goes for 38 and 11. Uh, eight of those rebounds that he grabbed were of the offensive variety, which are just absolutely monstrous, right? They create other opportunities. They create possessions. They get him more involved in the game. And uh, he was just, it was a huge game from him against the biggest uh, front court in the league in Minnesota, where they have their twin towers of, of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he turned his ankle in the game, stayed in, and was still incredibly impactful, obviously. Um, apparently, while he was spraining his ankle, uh, Rudy Gobert said that he was, uh, that, that AD was um, a, <laughs> impacted his ability to dunk it because Gobert felt like it was going to be too ruthless. Like, Rudy, just don't talk. Uh, But yeah, the Lakers pick up a monstrous win there. Uh, Again, led by uh, Anthony Davis. LeBron goes for 18, 10, and 6. D'Angelo Russell goes for 12 and 10. Austin Reeves goes for 15 and uh, 15 points, 6 boards, a couple assists. He was a plus 14, which led the way for the starters. And then for the game... Rui Hachimura was a plus 20, and Dennis Schroeder was a plus 15. I had said before that game that it, I, I thought it was going to be a potentially weird one for D'Angelo Russell. It was. He was uh, a, a minus 2 on the night, and Dennis Schroeder stepped in. He was a, a plus 15. So, yeah, I, I just think it's a deep team. It's a team that, you know, on any given night, you, you just never really know who is going to be stepping up. 
And that was, again, the case in last night's game in Houston, where, again, you're playing Houston. They aren't good. They are well on their way to uh, bottoming out for uh, Victor Wembanyama. But, but again, AD goes for his 40. Uh, he goes for 40 and 9. LeBron goes for a triple-double, right, with uh, 18, 11, and 10. Reeves goes for his 18 points with his 8 assists. Rui Hachimura goes for 20 points and 12 boards uh, and three blocks, one of which would actually made me go, whoa, like he'll make a play every so often that, you know, because he doesn't really play vertically very often, but he does occasionally get up there and you realize like, oh shit, like he is that kind of, he's a lottery talent, right? And I do think uh, that Darvin Ham, and we said, you know, heading into this last stretch, that he was going to have to start trimming down his rotation and finding out which combinations or which players he should really lean on. I do really think that Rui Hachimura has made a really late case for himself to be a rotation regular. Previously, I thought he was going to be kind of more of a matchup-dependent player, um, and it made sense that he showed out against Minnesota. also kind of makes sense that he showed out against Houston, right? They have a lot of tweener sides there, too. But the Lakers don't win in Minnesota without Rui. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that they wouldn't win against Houston because, again, Houston's this kind of tire fire where everybody has a green light and nobody really seems interested in getting coached. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, he is the kind of player who I would think would really matter, right? Uh, especially as we get ready for play-in or potential playoff matchups where all, all of these teams are going to have wings that you need extra bodies for. And while I understand Malik Beasley uh, and, and Troy Brown have been really good in spots for the Lakers, uh, it, it does kind of make sense that given the amount of firepower around the the roster, I could understand Darvin Ham basically going with a defense-first mentality as it pertains to the last kind of player in his regular rotation and and that player being Rui Hachimura, uh, he's he's a flawed defensive player. He has gotten better over the course of the year. Uh, he he you know he seems to be better understanding of what is expected of him on defense, especially off of the ball. And and it has really changed what he brings to the table. And I think it really changes what the Lakers can potentially be. Again, they won a championship, bigger, stronger, faster. Malik Beasley is a really good player, but he is not bigger. He might be faster. He's not stronger, right? His shooting really matters, but he's not bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. is not bigger, stronger, faster. He'll have moments. He'll show flashes of athleticism athleticism and stuff like that, but he's not like a physical, in-your-face type of presence. Rui Hachimura can be that. And the Lakers, you know, they, they have that in uh, Mando. They have that in Anthony Davis. They have that in LeBron James. That's kind of the extent of it, right? Wenyan Gabriel tries hard, and, and he has a great motor and all of that stuff, but he's not a punch-you-in-the-mouth fa- in, in, in type of physical presence out there. Uh, Dennis Schroeder does get after it. He is a bulldog, bulldog when it comes to on-ball defense and stuff like that, uh, but he isn't bigger, right? He's got the, the faster part down, and he is physical for somebody his size, but not really bigger, stronger, faster. And and I'm not saying that there's only one way for the Lakers to win, but with 
LeBron and AD specifically, I understand kind of sticking to the identity that those two guys specifically won a championship with. And Rui fits into that mold. So uh, in terms of what the Lakers could control, obviously they couldn't have done better than they did going 2-0, and picking up that huge win in Minnesota, and not, like, I, I was half expecting, I didn't bet on it, but I was half ex- expecting for the Lakers to not be able to, to cover. I think they went into the game uh, 11 and a half point favorites in Houston. And I thought it was going to, it could potentially be one of those like annoying games where you have a bunch of momentum coming off of the win in Minnesota, but you kind of play with your food a little bit. And maybe that 11 and a half point uh, spread, you wind up beating Houston by like eight or nine. And it's a win. And at this stage of the game, like those wins matter. But you also do need to start playing your best basketball, and that's actually what we got, right? We actually did get for for like AD rounding in a shape. Really looks like he's ready to play his best basketball heading into the play-in and hopefully the playoffs. Uh, LeBron has is I I think this is a real credit to him. Uh, he is finding a way to you know score when he has to, but he's really kind of taken on this facilitator role, not just in terms of like raw assist numbers. And last night he picked up his 11, but just making sure that everybody stays in rhythm. Everybody stays on pace. Everybody focuses on, on the task at hand. And he's kind of your, your engineer, your captain out there uh, on offense. And, and he has understood that that appears to be the role, that that's what the, the, what the Lakers need from him. And then from there, everybody kind of falls into their their places. Reeves has become a very reliable scorer. D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, also very reliable when when he has to be. He can pick up that that quiet twenty points that Aaron and I talked about last week. Um, weird stuff, maybe potentially going on there with D'Angelo Russell's uh, injuries, plural. That Harrison and I talked about on the lounge. If you you know, it'll. Uh, it's probably up by the time you guys are listening to this. So, yeah, I just think without getting too far ahead of myself, uh, the Lakers are a dynasty. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And then taking care of business in terms of what you can control is great. Obviously, that's your top priority. But it becomes all the more important when you get help around the league, just as the Lakers did last night when the Denver Nuggets beat the Golden State Warriors without Nikola Jokic. It felt like another one of those games where, as we saw it against uh, the Pelicans, we were like, ah, 
This was supposed to be a loss. Pelicans are going to pick up a game that they would otherwise have lost. They wind up winning it. And in this one, I thought we were getting ready for another one of those things where, oh, great. Uh, Denver's, and, and look, it might just be that Jokic is actually hurt. Um, hope not. You know, obviously you want all of the best players to be available heading into the playoffs, but, but, uh, injuries notwithstanding, it felt like another opportunity as I talked about, uh, last week, what teams might start doing if they want to avoid or make at least if not avoid the Lakers altogether, but maybe make life that much more difficult for the Lakers. I think it's pretty clear at this stage that the seed everybody is kind of fighting for is that sixth seed. Uh, Mike Brown is is aware of it. I liked his quote last night where he where he was asked about it again, and he said that, you know, if he was another team, he would maybe target the Kings as a matchup that they would want. Uh, but it's on the Kings to prove that that is a stupid approach. And and you know, I think still with that said, <laughs> it's a really cool quote doesn't change the reality of I want the Kings. I will I want the the Lakers to face off against the Kings. I would love for the Lakers to avoid the play in. That's your tr- your top priority. But if you avoid the play in and you sit there at that 6 seed and you have to and and you play the Kings and their lack of experience in the first round, that's a matchup that you know, I don't know if I would be fully confident or whatever, but I would imagine the Lakers would probably be betting favorites heading into that series. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I thought maybe that, you know, we would start to see some, some chicanery, some, some silly business, some funny business, uh, heading into this last week of the regular season from some teams that would either like for the Lakers to, you know, miss the play in altogether. And certainly if they make the play and have their life be as difficult as possible, but Hey, if the Lakers are going to keep winning games, then there's almost, you know, the, it, it, it falls beyond even those other teams control. So again, for the Lakers focus on what you can focus on, focus on what you can control. And then as you focus on that stuff, and as you get your needed results with those games that you are playing in, maybe just, maybe you'll get lucky. And, Last night, they did. Denver beats Golden State, who continue to be a mess on the road without Jokic. And the Lakers now, again, like I said at the top of the show, are sitting with 38 losses. The same number as the Clippers, the same number as the Warriors. Um, and and wouldn't you know it, sitting there at the seventh spot, at worst, the Lakers, if things ended right now, would have home court and the ability to move right on after one win into the playoffs. Um, and then best case scenario, if enough teams do enough winning or losing that, that would help them out, uh, then maybe they jump up to the five or the six seed. Personally, I would prefer to sit at six. I would like to avoid five. And I do think we are going to, like, we. I, I always kind of wonder about the Lakers, uh, you know, and, and, and who may or may not want to face them. I know that teams don't want to face the Phoenix Suns with a potentially healthy Kevin Durant and him being paired with Devin Booker and what those two guys could potentially do on offense. Uh, I do know that teams are we're probably going to see some teams do what they can to maybe avoid playing uh, the, the Suns in that first round. But, you know, that six seed, oof. Man, don't tempt me with a good time.
Now, the Lakers aren't going to be in action until Wednesday. I would imagine we're going to get word, I think, fairly soon about uh, Mo Bamba and his ankle. I don't think, you know, especially given what Rui has been providing lately and what Wenyon has done in Mo Bamba's absence, I don't think Bamba's availability is really going to matter very much moving forward. Um, but that said, you know, he is a, a big that the Lakers just don't really have on their roster behind AD. And there have been some instances where bigger centers come in and, and really kind of give the Lakers problems. Andre Drummond, most notably, uh, you know, in the first Chicago game where the Lakers eventually lost. But, uh, you know, in these next few days, as we get ready for what will be an absolute monster game against the Clippers, hopefully we will, you know, I I know Darvin Ham said after the game that D'Angelo Russell would have been able to go, you know, it was just a precautionary holding out. But this is now a few instances where it's hard to pinpoint when an injury happened and Russell is then not available. Or people anticipate D'Angelo Russell being available, and then eventually he is not available. And look, I am just some guy with a microphone sitting here, you know, after watching Succession, uh, talking about the Lakers. There's, like, this is the, I am not here to judge any professional athlete uh, for prioritizing their body as that is their only means of maintaining the lifestyle that they have earned for themselves, right? Hell, I should probably treat my voice better, uh, (laughs) given it is the way that I make my living. Uh, But here with D'Angelo Russell, while I understand his approach to this, he is on the verge of of a really big contract uh, offseason, this next contract you know, could very well take him into his 30s. He's, he's you know, he'll be entering this offseason at 27 years old. If he gets like a three or four year deal, that would take him, that would take him across that 30 year old threshold, right? Or, or you know, it's a, it's a big mark for, for athletes, even if it's kind of crazy for those of us who are above 30 to say like, man, that's an old athlete. And I'm like, man, as a young person. Uh, but still, for, for Russell, I get the, the caution and and the uh, conservative approach to the the final games of this regular season and then you know maybe you revisit it you 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 rethink the approach as you get into the playoffs and and you know everybody is needed on board and and look I also get it from the Lakers perspective in this game in particular where you know maybe D'Angelo Russell again n- nobody could really see it nobody really found a moment where he seemed to, to tweak his foot or anything like that. Um, but it's the Houston Rockets, and the Lakers were beating them pretty handily, um, and and D'Angelo Russell wasn't exactly a giant factor while they were beating him handily. So maybe he and the training staff just said, like, I think they can win this one without me. Let's Let's just kind of be extra cautious so that everybody is available for the game against the Clippers. And I, I would get it. I would. Um, that said, and, and you know, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to drop a big kind of butt here where everything before I say the butt is, is made meaningless. Um, but when 
a player is anticipated to be available and that player is then not available, that's when you start to see some frustration, whether it's from the fans or from the team or whatever. Uh, when, when a player looks like they are going to be ready to go or looks like they can give it a go and then they don't, that is where some people start to kind of wonder like, hey, what's going on there? What's, why isn't he playing? And, and while I understand where D'Angelo Russell is coming from and his approach to uh, this contract season, I also understand from fans and from teammates and from, you know, Lakers staff to be like, hey, wait, what? He's not going again? We're doing this again? Uh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of moving forward how everybody handles this as you get into the play-in game and as you get into the playoffs. I, look, I understand not wanting to play if you're not 100% on a random Sunday night against the Houston Rockets. I get it. The Lakers can beat that team without him. But if it's a play-in game where it's a one-game sample size and you're playing against a pretty good team and a player is anticipated to be available and that player is not available, that's where you really start to run into into some kind of tricky questions. And... um. Yeah, we'll see how everybody handles that moving forward. More than, more important than anything, hope he's okay. I hope he, you know, I I hope he makes a full recovery and and I hope he's ready to go on on Wednesday when the Lakers play the Clippers in the latest most important game that the Lakers will have played this season. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the conversation I had with Harrison. Uh, where we talk about D'Angelo Russell, and we also answer some questions from you, the listener. Again, if you want, I wasn't able to get to all of the questions in that in that episode. So if you want to guarantee that your topic gets answered or that I, I, I read your question and I say your name on the air, the best way to do that is on iTunes by a, a five-star review. Um, otherwise I'll try to get to it and, and I can't quite make any promises because when I send out a, you know, a request for questions, you tend to get quite a few questions. Um, also in, and I know I've done a lot of jinxing this, so hopefully this doesn't backfire, but if you enjoyed locked on Lakers way back in the day, um, when Pete and I used to do that show together, looks like. He and I are going to be podcasting uh, later tonight, and that episode will air at um, you know midnight uh, Pacific time tomorrow. So tune in for that. So until then, and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.